Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. What's up? It's the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. It's a shortened version tonight. We're only going to 745. Game three, Bruins and Hurricanes. Ugh. Two teams I hate. But it's hockey. It's good hockey. And it's going to be getting going at 8 o'clock. Our coverage starts at 745 here on WGR. Uh, 803-0550 if you want to get in on the conversation tonight. Uh, 555-50 in the text line. I've already got a lot going on on Twitter. Um, I had a couple things on my mind that I wanted to get out tonight. 8.30 is the NBA draft lottery, and 9 o'clock is the start of the Western Conference Finals in the NBA between the Warriors and Trailblazers. But the one team, or the one, not team, the one event that I'm really looking forward to tonight is the draft lottery. I mean, the NBA and how it's almost different it's it's a lot different actually than the NHL where we had that one mega lottery with Eichel and McDavid and we all wanted number 1 so bad but we also had that in the back of our minds like hey at least we're two and the NHL doesn't get that that often because it's not often that a star player comes into hockey that is that good where it's going to make an immediate difference to how much better your team is. I mean, look at the Edmonton Oilers. They've won how many draft lotteries? And one of them contained the most talented player I think we've seen in 25 years at least. Still can't make the playoffs. And they did it once. And he wasn't the only time they won it. NBA, it's different. The sport, the nature of the sport, it being star-driven, and you get star players that are that good, that can make all the difference in the world, and your team can be a contender year in and year out just on one or two players being super good. Look at the 76ers. They're almost kind of like the Oilers. They've been at the top of the draft for a decade. But why are they now constantly in the playoffs the last three years? Why are they winning playoff rounds? They're not really getting far into the playoffs, but why are they winning playoff rounds? Because they have two star players in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And they actually did not have a good success rate. Like two for seven. If you look back at the Philadelphia 76ers, the trust the process team, um, like the, the, the team that tanked essentially in the NBA, they actually did a very bad job drafting at the top when they were there. 
They got Simmons, sure. They got Embiid, sure. They also drafted guys that I'm sure a lot of casual basketball fans have never heard of. Michael Carter-Williams, Nerlens Noel, Markel Fultz, the guy who doesn't know how to shoot anymore, who they already traded. He was last year's number one overall pick. They continually drafted these guys that didn't work out, but because they hit on two of them, they're fine, and they're good. And even in, like Edmonton, trying to compare this to hockey, they are at a point now where they have McDavid, and he's great. I can't even use the Sabres for this. The Sabres have three players that they got in number one or number two, Darlene, Eichel, and Reinhardt, that are studs. A couple more so than the other. Reinhardt, I think, is a very good player. Eichel is a, probably a super an all-star level, at least level player. And maybe Darlene can be a superstar at the blue line. And last year they had all three of those guys, and it didn't mean really much of anything because they didn't have the other pieces. So that's why I'm even more hyped up for the NBA lottery than I get for the NHL lottery. Like One of those teams, their entire franchise changes tonight. Expectations change. Your talent level changes. Your ability to draw free agents changes. If Zion Williamson goes to the New York Knicks, it's going to be a lot easier to pitch to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving this offseason Hey, you want to come play in New York? Well, we've already got this guy who's like a mega prospect. He's 280 pounds. He lit up college basketball last year. He's ready to go. So it's not like we're starting from scratch with you two. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, it's, it's interesting, too. I got five teams, quickly, that I really would like to see land him. Zion Williamson. Because he, I think he is going to be a superstar. Most people that watch basketball think he's going to be a superstar. The Knicks is kind of an obvious one, and it's interesting because I'm not a Knicks fan, and I kind of like to laugh at the Knicks. The same way I always love to laugh at the Toronto Maple Leafs. Most of my lifetime, the Toronto Maple Leafs have been a joke. They've been a team that I can poke fun at. They're the team that had the timer run out on them in the second round of a draft about 10 years ago, and they lost their pick. They're the team that traded Tuka Rask and a draft pick for Andrew Raycroft. They're the team that traded the pick of Tyler Sagan for Phil Kessel. Like, they've done stuff like that over and over and over. And they finally they got good. So I don't really have that anymore. And the Knicks are still there. The Knicks are still a joke. I couldn't name one player on their team right now. And I think I'm a pretty avid NBA fan at this point. I don't think I can name one player on their team. DeAndre Jordan might be there. I have no idea. But I'd like to see them be good. Like, I'd like to see what that looks like. What is New York like when the Knicks are that good? What does the NBA landscape look like, like media-wise? And how would they fit in to the other t- contenders in the East? I- I'd like to see that. And they've never even come close, at least in the last 20 years, to being anything close to that. So I'm not a big Knicks supporter. Um, I- I'm sure there are a lot of dormant fans around the state. Like I know a couple, a couple friends of mine I know are Knicks fans that you just never hear them talk about the Knicks because what are they going to talk about? They're just bad and they've been bad. What is there to look forward to? And I, I would like to see maybe some of those dormant fans kind of be given new life with a with a, a draft lottery win tonight, even though I'm not a big Knicks fan I like poking fun at them. The Lakers would be interesting too. They only have a 2% chance. I'm not expecting that to happen. But you, you never know. It's happened. And LeBron's there. LeBron and Zion would be super sick just to see what that looks like. 
Um, Dallas Mavericks, I think, would be cool. They're a n- nice, young, up-and-coming team. They got two stars coming up. Porzingis, who got jumped, by the way, in his home country. But uh, Porzingis is good. This Luka Doncic guy looks really good. And uh, Cleveland. Because I like to root for Cleveland. I went to their championship parade when it happened. I think I've told that story before. It was not a pleasant experience, but I went there, and I'm glad that I could say that I went to a championship parade once in my life for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I-, I like to root for Cleveland when... Buffalo doesn't really have a team in the mix. And even when they do, like I like to root for the Browns because you feel for that city having them, them having gone through similar tough times like we've gone through here. So I'd like to see Cleveland get that too. Shifting gears. Hockey on the mind again. The coach search is still going on. Nothing new today. Ralph Kruger's still the top guy at this point. Um, I've been thinking a lot more about Jeff Skinner over the past days. Because the coach search, I kind of mentioned this yesterday, the coach search has made us forget that we have a our number one goal scorer coming up to free agency in less than two months. month and a half. Jeff Skinner's going to hit the open market. And there's nothing we've seen or nothing to make you feel like that it's any closer to getting done than it was when they traded for him, is there? It's the same reports. We're here. The last thing I think we heard on Skinner, which was probably a week or two ago, was, hey, don't panic, but they're not really they're that close. Um, and like, there's no, never details on it, like what, what it's about and what they're looking for. And it, it all just sounds like to me that he, we're just playing a waiting game for him to get to July 1st. If it was true that Skinner really wanted to stay here. That, like, that was his number one priority. He might want to stay here, and it just might not be his number one priority. That's fine. He might be looking to make the playoffs. That's understandable. The guy's never made the playoffs in his entire career. He might be looking for big money. To be fair, he's been underpaid his entire career. Under $6 bucks for a guy that scores 30 goals almost every other season. And the seasons he doesn't, he's scoring 25. He scored 40 last year. He's been an underpaid player. He could be looking for the money. Now... It's hard to know this without knowing what the Sabres are offering him monetarily. But you'd have to think Skinner has all the leverage in the world right now. He'd have to. Sabres are at a point where they can't really afford to lose him. And that's an uncomfortable place to be. You don't want to be coming from a place of desperation. But I don't know what else you can do if you're the Sabres and Jason Bottrell. Yes, you reek of desperation to sign the guy. But I think that's you just got to kind of take that pill and swallow it. I did a stat comparison uh, between Evander Kane and Jeff Skinner. Because I like Evander Kane, I've always liked him as a player, and he kind of, like, statistically looks about the same. And I wanted to see how close they were in the stats. And they're both 27 years old, so there's a comparison there. And they're, they're pretty much, the, they're very close. Jeff Skinner, 3.37 goals per game. Evander Kane, .33 goals per game. Jeff Skinner, 0.67 points per game. Evander Kane, 0.63 points per game. They're pretty close when you look at offensive production. Now, I do think Skinner is a better overall player, so don't get me wrong there. But on the other hand, too, Kane is a better all-around player. Kane, you don't have to worry about playing a 3-on-3 overtime because you know he can handle himself in his own end, but that's beside the point. The two guys are pretty similar in offensive production. And one of which you weren't able to keep. Kane was probably not going to stay here. but Or maybe they just didn't want him in the first place. Well, however that turned out, Kane 
You traded him away. And now he's on the Sharks and he's getting paid $7 million a year. And you know what? That's about fair for him. I wouldn't call that overpaid. I wouldn't call that underpaid. But he's getting paid $7 million a year. He's 27 years old. And here we go with Jeff Skinner. We're about to enter the are they going to do this? Are they going to sign him phase of the offseason? Because the coaching search should end sometime soon, you'd have to think. It's at least going to end by the end of the month, right? They're not going to walk into free agency without having a head coach. But that's the next thing on the docket. Skinner. And we're no closer to a resolution. We're no closer, I think, to whether we want him to stick around. Because the way the negotiation's gone, the way his career has gone here for the Sabres without a contract, I think I'd have to expect that the Sabres, if they keep him, it's going to be an overpayment. Probably by a lot, too. Vander Kane gets paid $7 million a year. If you were coming from a completely fair point of view with uh, just looking at it monetarily and statistically, and you were trying to analyze how much is Jeff Skinner worth. Now, I do think he's a better all-around offensive player. He's not a guy that just enters the zone and just rips a wrist shot because that's a lot of what Evander Kane is. He's super fast. He has a good shot. But his mindset is, I'm going to get to the offensive zone. I'm going to get near the net as quick as possible, and I'm going to fire one on net. And Skinner, you know, there's more creativity. There's more, you know, dips and turns and and using his edges to get into creative spaces on the uh, play with Jack Eichel. He kind of plays off of his teammates, whereas Kane, you know, he can go ISO most of the time when he's trying to score. And I think that's worth something. So I would say Skinner is definitely worth more than Kane, but by how much? If they're going to pay him eight and a half, nine million dollars. I mean, that kind of stinks. That sucks. It's going to suck if they end up paying him 9 million bucks. And I'm not I'm just throwing that number out there. I don't that's just a guess. But if they did end up going that high, you had a guy here who gave you a similar a similar uh type of production. And he's getting paid 2 million less maybe by a good team. Like that's the difference to be, to me where the Sabres are right now to where they need to get to. They need to get to a point where they, don't, they can sign a, an Evander Kane. They can look past some of the off-the-ice issues. They can deal with those when they come about. But that doesn't mean you, you have to you know, disregard the on-ice production because you're trying to change the makeup of your locker room. They're not at that point yet. I'd like to ideally have a Jeff Skinner and a Evander Kane on my team. I would have liked to have them both here. And that would have been possible given what they got for Jeff, or what they ended up giving up for Jeff Skinner. It's not like the picks they got for Evander Kane, they flipped for Skinner. They got Skinner for basically nothing. Now, the only caveat to all this is Kane probably wouldn't have stayed here, and I think that's fair to assume. But if he, but you need to get to a place where, one, you don't have to worry about your leading goal scorer walking into free agency, and he might go somewhere for less money. That could happen, and I wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't blame them. Can you look at the Sabres right now and think they're going to make the playoffs next year? That's tough. That's tough to predict. I don't think so. Today, I would not predict them to make the playoffs next year. No way. Not in this division, especially. That was a whole offseason to go, sure. But sitting here today, I, why would you blame Skinner for not signing? 
The guys never made the playoffs. That's kind of what Kane was going through too, I'd assume. Kane had never made the playoffs. And he went. He got to San Jose. They were in the playoffs. They won around. He's like, all right, I'm sticking around here. I think if the Sabres would have kept going along the path they were, when not, not even first place, like they were in first place, but just as a playoff team, if they'd finished as a wild card team and maybe got bounced by Tampa or by uh, Washington in the first round, even if that had happened, I think they might have had this contract done already. Because I want to think that I know hockey players enough and w- listening to Skinner a lot and reading about Skinner a lot. We had him at our station right when he got traded, hearing him then. Like, he does strike me as a guy who wants to, like, really badly wants to get to the playoffs. And I don't know how you could sell him that that's going to happen here anytime soon. You could try. But if they don't make the playoffs next year, like, then you start questioning the GM's longevity with the team. Like, how much long, how much more rope does Jason Bottrell have? They don't have a coach now. Will that coach stick around through another GM, or is he going to want his own guy? And suddenly, you're thinking that a lot of turnover in the next year or two is still pretty likely to happen, or could very well happen. And I think it's going to be tough to sign up for that, or get a guy to sign up for that. I think they're really going to have to overpay him because of all of that, and... I don't really, I, I still, I guess I'm kind of going, wait, I'm weighing, wagering back and forth onto whether I want them to overpay because I think we might have to think of Jeff Skinner almost like an unrestricted free agent already. And when you think about Buffalo and you think about the Bills or the Sabres, it doesn't matter, trying to get big name free agents, the rule of thumb is usually they've got to overpay. And I think that's kind of what we have to start thinking about when we're thinking about them extending Skinner. I think you have to start treating him as though he's already an unrestricted free agent that you are trying to lure here to Buffalo. What is the number one way you get a top free agent to come to Buffalo, especially when you haven't had recent success? It's by paying them loads and loads of cash. That's how you get them here. And that's a a, a sucky place to be. Johan Larson... Uh, his name was in the news today. We'll talk a little bit about that when we come back. We want your calls at 803-0550. I'll read through some texts and some tweets as well at 550-550. Um, Larson's interesting to me, and he's kind of a symbol of what they're going to do this offseason. I think he should be a symbol of it because I liked his game this past season, but I still think he has to go. And I'll explain more what I mean by that when we come back. Uh, 20 minutes away from coverage between the Bruins and Hurricanes here on WGR. I don't think we played to our up to our capabilities in a while now. We, we did just enough to beat the Avalanche, but I mean, we haven't played our best hockey since that Vegas series. And it's discouraging. It's frustrating because we we, we're going to need everyone here if we want to want to beat these guys because they're a very good hockey team. Logan Couture, noted Bills fan of the San Jose Sharks. That dude is dynamite in the playoffs, by the way. Super good. He's not even one of the bigger names on that team. They got Carlson and Burns and Thornton and Pavelski and Evander Kane, and he's kind of kind of hangs in the background. And is just he might be their best player. He's arguably the best player. Um, the Sharks are tied 1-1 with the Blues in that series. It's Vander Kane versus Ryan O'Reilly. Either one of them, one of them's going to the Cup. Either Ryan O'Reilly or Vander Kane will be playing in the Stanley Cup Finals. So there's that. Um, but why did I need to bring that up? It's depressing. 
The Bruins are at the Hurricanes for Game Three. Boston leads that series two to nothing. I almost said two to nil. I don't know why I did that, but two to nothing, and uh, that series. Uh, we'll get going again at 8 o'clock tonight. 7.45 starts our coverage here on WGR, just over 10 minutes away. So Johan Larsson's name was in the news today. There was a Swedish report. If you haven't heard about this, Paul's got the full details at WGR550.com. Check that out there. Um, Swedish reporter had that Larsson was signing with Brinas, which is a team in the Swedish Hockey League. Okay, saw that. My immediate reaction was, all right, makes sense. He's kind of fell out of favor here. Um, he's he's fallen to a fourth. He's not even fallen, but he's kind of settled in as a fourth liner in the NHL. And actually, if you think back earlier in Johan Larson's career, I remember him being frustrated with not playing top, a top six role. Like, he was a guy that wanted to be an offensive player. And clearly, I think we all see why he can't do that. He does not possess that ability to do that in the NHL. But I could see why he would have, at the time, like, all right, that makes sense. He's frustrated. He wants to be, like, the best player on a team that he plays for. And would he rather go to the AHL to do that? No one really chooses to go to the AHL over the NHL, or would he want to go back home and do it in Sweden? So that made sense. Then our Paul Hamilton checks in. He checks with the agent. And we get another reporter from Sweden that checks with that Brinas GM. And it's crap. It's not true. At least at this point. So... But that has me thinking about Johan Larson, and to me, he was interesting because I thought he was good last year. I mean, other than the last, Paul put this perfectly. I thought on Larson uh, with Shopin the Bulldog earlier. I, I thought really he was really good all year. The last month of the season, he was bad, but like the majority of last season, for what he's supposed to be in the role he was in, fourth liner, defensive player, take faceoffs, penalty kill. Like I thought he was good. Even possession-wise, he was better than expected. Um, playing with Giergensons and Posos and Thompsons, like guys that aren't going to put the puck in the back of the net very often, seemed like they had the puck all the time. And I felt like I was always saying that throughout the season, that, hey, the Larson line, like they're not scoring, but they've always got the puck. They don't really translate it into scoring chances, but they've always got the puck. They're always along the wall in the offensive end, and that's pretty good defense in itself. It's hard to score on them as a fourth line when the the other line never has the puck in the first place. So I, I was kind of impressed by that. But the way the season went and where the team is at and what needs to change, I think he's almost a symbol of what the change needs to be. Now, last year you decided to move your second-best offensive player, and that sucked. And... Even before that, you decided to move your third or fourth best offensive player. So you decided to make changes in the top six. And I was not on board with those decisions. Kane, to an extent, I was because I didn't think he was going to stay here. But ideally, I would have liked to have Kane and O'Reilly in the fold going forward. I did not think they were the problems. They were guys that, sure, they had questions about what they are in the locker room and what they are off the ice. But when you get on the ice, they produced. And to me, that's what should matter like universally, that should matter more. But it didn't to this team. And they decided that's what they were going to change out. And it didn't work. So now what are you going to do? You've got to find a way to keep Skinner so you can keep your top six in place as much as possible for what it is now. But the changes on this team, they need to come at the bottom. Their problem was not got the guys at the top. It was that they got no support at all. If Eichel, Skinner, Reinhardt wasn't scoring, the Sabres weren't scoring. And I'm not saying Larson's job was to do that, but you got to help out a little bit, no? 
all of those guys. You got to help out a bit. The only guy that you could say provided any sort of secondary scoring was Evan Rodriguez. Like, I think he did his job on the offensive end. He gave you double-digit goals and 30-ish points, I think, if I can remember his stats off the top of my head. Like, fine. That's what I should be getting from bottom six guys, not four goals. Or three from Giergensen's. Even Okposo, like, Okposo did his job with the secondary scoring. He's way overpaid at this point, but for the role that he plays on the ice, which is a bottom six role, he's giving you double-digit goals. I think he had 13 or 14. Like, that, you need more of that. Ideally, getting paid five times less than what Okposo's getting paid. But that's what they need. They need another Kyle Okposo, but getting the one that's getting paid $1 million. And you can't do that if Larson stays, and you can't do that if Gergensen stays, and you can't do that if your Scott Wilson stay. Like, I can keep one or two of them, I think, but you've got to start to make some changes down there at the bottom six. And even though Larson, I thought, had a pretty good season, he's an RFA, as is Giergensen's, and I think it's time to move on from those two. They've been here for a long time. They've had their chances. They've had their chances in top six roles. I mean, Larson, I know, was frustrated at one point in his Sabre career for not getting that chance, but he had it. They were tanking. Sure, they were trying to be bad, but that's the only way you were going to get a, a, a shot there, and you didn't take advantage. Same with Giergensen's. He had the one season where he played number one center all year, and all he could come away with was 30 points, and it never grew from there. So I think it's time to move on from those two, and Saboka, you got to find a way to get that guy off your roster. Scott Wilson, he can stay or go. I'm kind of indifferent there, but like that's one. Those are the kind of changes that the Sabers need to make because you can't come back with the same stale forward group. It's not going to work if you just do it over again and say, "Oh, I hope Middlestat scores 30 goals this year." That's not going to cut it. They need to do more than just kind of build around what they have. Build around what you have at the top six. Change out that depth, especially at forward. And I think Larson would be the first place to start there. Um, I have no interest in seeing him and Gergensen's back on this team. And I think I think a lot of people are on board with that. Even if it's just doing something new, doing something fresh. You can find guys that do what they do. P- penalty kill and block shots and give you 10 to 15 minutes on a fourth line. That's not hard to find. You can do a little better trying to find a guy in that spot to play that role. That'll also give you 9-10 goals. Is that too much to ask? I don't think it should be. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening to the brief show tonight because we are getting you to NHL playoff coverage here on WGR, which is brought to you by Fiegel and Carr, your border attorneys. Bruins and Hurricanes, Carolina trying to not go down three games to none. That would probably put a pretty big damper on the series, so Carolina trying to get a game in uh, in that series. In Raleigh, not eight, eight o'clock puck drop. Our coverage starts in five minutes here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.